Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you so much for joining us on BC Podcast. Here's a message to encourage your heart this week. Uh, For those of you that don't know us, we lived in this area for about 12 years, Um, and then we moved to Southern California for eight years where I served on staff at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California, where John and I served together on the pastoral staff there. Uh, We are a little bit in shock with the weather, just to be honest with you. Uh, We're not used to this kind of weather. To you guys, you're like, what weather? Well, for us, even cloudiness is weird, right? Southern California, we just don't even have clouds. But it is wonderful to be here. It's wonderful to be with you. I was thinking a little bit this morning um, as I watched Pastor Caleb and even Pastor John. I've known these guys since they were in high school, both of them, oddly enough. I was a little older than that when I met them, unfortunately. But uh, I met John and his brother Michael uh, when I spoke at a camp. Uh, you were probably 15. I think you were 15 years old. And what are you now, 60, 70, what are you? Something like that? So I met him when he was 15, and I met Caleb Korth in Wisconsin, where I served at a church there in Wausau, Wisconsin. And he was a part of the student ministry that I was a part of uh, being Uh, in charge of, uh, he and his brother Josh. I met Caleb when he was 14. So it's kind of cool watching these two young guys that I've known for a long time uh, being in leadership here at Bible Center. And what a wonderful thing. Well, it is a privilege for me to be here. And it's a privilege for me to be able to stand up here and to share scripture with you this morning. John had mentioned that it is a new year. Whether you like it or not, tomorrow is 2024. And a few years ago, I would have said, make sure you write 2024 on your checks. But most of you don't even know what checks are anymore. I think we don't write very many checks. But tomorrow is 2024. And a ritual for many people, as we think about the new year, is to do a New Year's resolution, right? Well, there are studies that are done on New Year's resolutions and what they are and how that goes. So uh, Forbes magazine actually did a study, and they put it out last week. And it has some New Year's resolutions. And these are the typical, kind of the top five, if you will. Uh, Improve fitness, improve finances, improve mental health, lose weight, improve diet. Um, Kind of typical. It was interesting that these were the least uh, ones that people chose. And we'll show the next slide here. And people, the least popular, were traveling more. Okay. Meditating regularly. That's interesting. We'll talk about that more this morning. Um, drinking less alcohol, and performing better at work were the last place ones. So kind of interesting. People don't really seem to care about their jobs or careers too much, but they care about their fitness. Here's the interesting part about New Year's resolutions. Check this out. So 9% of Americans who make resolutions complete them. So less than one out of 10 actually complete their resolutions. 23 quit, 23% quit by the end of the first weekend. So almost a quarter of the people are like, ah, I did it for a week, I'm done. 43% quit by the end of January. It's kind of sad. Uh, Us humans, we're not real good at these kind of things, about this kind of change and about changing our habits. That's why people make New Year's resolutions. And if you're making a resolution today or tonight, believe you, I'm with you. I think you're gonna do great. You won't be in these percentages, okay? But the reason people do this is they want to change their habits. They want to change how they live their lives. And this last fall, I was paying attention as I knew we were coming here. Uh, This 
late summer, we made the decision as the elders invited me to be here and be a part of this team. Uh, we knew we were coming, so we started kind of paying attention. So I watched the sermon series that, that John, Pastor John and Pastor Mike did with The Thread Between. And they talked about the vision at Bible Center Church and where we want to go over the next few years and even where Bible Center wants to be in 2024. And you will remember that this year's emphasis was to be in the Bible. And they talked about these habits, right? If you go to Bible Center's website and you find next steps, there's a drop down there. It has these phrases, these words up there about habits. It's about having a group, followers of Jesus at Bible Center. This is what they look like or what leadership, what the elders would like to see people here look like. They have a group. They attend regularly. They are in the Bible, so they want them to be in the Bible. They invest faithfully, they talk to God, and they share their faith. Habits. Well, in 2024, we here at Bible Center are doubling down on being in the Bible. We're going to double down on that. And we're going to talk about that this morning, about what does it mean to be in the Bible? And here's what I think is really important for us to think about and understand and what I would hope that you would know after this morning, is that followers of Jesus who are consistently in the Bible will be changed by its practical principles as they trust the Holy Spirit to apply it in their daily lives. When you're in the Bible, it should change how you live your life, the practical principles, as the Holy Spirit helps you apply them in their lives. I want to look at Psalm 1 together this morning. So if you have a copy of the scripture, open it to Psalm chapter 1. And Psalm chapter 1 is a, a passage that really uh, we spend a lot of time in, I think, in church world. And I think that it's a passage that we, we look at and we often focus on that first verse, actually. But today I want to focus really on verse 2 and 3. But I want to read this entire passage together. And I want us to think about the fact that as we think about habits and we think about being in the Bible, that we shape our habits, and our habits shape us. And you heard this in the series in the fall, that our values are what our habits come out of. And I want us to understand that being in the Bible is so that we can place our values in Scripture, place our values in the living Word of God. Let's look at Psalm 1 together. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on the law, his law, I'm sorry, day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, not so the wicked. They are like the chaff, that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So we think about this psalm. The psalmist is talking about life and talking about what we value in life. And we see in that verse one where it talks about you know, standing in the way of sinners, sitting in the seat of the mockers. 
that first verse, really, it's talking about we don't let, if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, we don't let culture shape how we think and shape our values. And that conjunction, that little three-letter word, B-U-T. And if you say that, you know, I, I spelled it out because if you say it, middle school kicks in and we all chuckle, right? But that little conjunction is really important because it says, but those who are children of God, but we do a couple things when it comes to being in the Bible. And we're going to look at a few things this morning. And the first one we're going to look at is followers of Jesus who are consistently in the Bible delight in it. Delight in it. Well, what does that mean? If we delight in Scripture, by the way, there are blanks to fill out. I know I can see the blank fillers. I love blank fillers. I actually like to mess with blank fillers. So I might leave one empty, and it's just going to bother you all week, right? But no, there are blanks, there are sheets, and I'll talk about that in a moment that you can certainly take notes if you'd like to. Uh, But what does it mean to delight in God's Word? Well, it means, first of all, it's relational. It's relational. Did you ever think about the fact that when you are in Scripture, when you study Scripture, when you do a daily devotion, that's kind of a vernacular that, that has become uh, very common in Christian world, right? In church world, doing our daily devotions. When we are in Scripture, that is a relational activity. That is God's way of communicating to us. It's how we learn who Jesus is. It's how we learn who God the Father is. It's how we learn about the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, three in one. It's this relationship. And what's interesting about this relationship is when we think of relationships, they're a two-way street, right? That there's communication both ways. And if you remember, one of the habits is we talk to God, right? So when we get scripture and we get that information, that life-changing truth, why is the Bible so important? Why have leadership here said, let's double down on being in the Bible in 2024? Because it's the truth. We believe here at Bible Center that that copy of the scripture that you have in your hands is the word of God. And that it has everything we need. Peter wrote it in 2 Peter Chapter 1, he said, we have everything we need for life and godliness right there in the words of Scripture. And this relationship, it's not an academic activity when we're in Scripture. It's a relational activity. The relationship we have with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, is so unique, however, because it was initiated by Him. Do you ever think about the fact that if you're a follower of Christ here this morning, that you have brought nothing to that relationship? That sounds terrible. Sounds like, well, you know, God loves you, me. Well, he does. He loved you so much that he sent Jesus Christ, God man, God in the flesh, to take our place. The New Testament says he gave his life as a ransom for many. He's a ransom for you and for me. And we didn't bring anything to this. We were in our sin. We were in our brokenness. Romans chapter 5 says that while we were dead in our sins, Christ died for us. In fact, he calls us the ungodly. He initiated it. 
Jesus came and he died on that cross. And he was put in the grave for three days. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 is the gospel in a nutshell where it simply says this. This is Troy's paraphrase, but this is what it says. It says he was crucified, he was buried, and he was resurrected. He conquered death and hell on your behalf and my behalf. And in our brokenness, God reaches out to us because of the blood of his son and allows us to simply put our faith in him and begin to follow Jesus. And that's how this relationship starts. Maybe you're here this morning and you think about the fact that, wow, I want to be in the Bible. That sounds great. That might be helpful for me in my life. That might help me in my New Year's resolution. If you have never made the decision to trust in the God-man, Jesus Christ, and his finished work on that cross, and that resurrected Savior, today can be your day to begin that relationship. There's going to be some folks down here they are going to have lanyards on, yellow lanyards, and they're here to pray with you, and they're here to help you. If you've never become a follower of Jesus Christ, today's your day. I'm going to be here. Pastor John will be here. Other pastors, other folks that you know who are followers of Jesus Christ would love to talk to you today so that you can take care of that most important relational aspect of being in the Bible, which is becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. Take care of that today. And for those of us that know Jesus Christ, we think about the relational aspect as the psalmist says, we delight, we take pleasure in being in his word. That relational aspect, the reason that we can delight in the scripture, in the truth, is not because, gee, the Bible's a list of do's and don'ts. Man, if I become a follower of Christ, I'm going to have to be super serious. I'm going to have to dress a certain way. I'm going to have to act a certain way. What it's about is that relationship. And in fact, the truth of Scripture, the principles of Scripture are there for God to protect us and provide for us. The truth of Scripture protects us and provides for us. I used to work a lot with teenagers and students. And if you've heard this story from me, I used to do a lot of teaching here in groups at Bible Center. You only have so many stories until you start making them up. So if you've heard this story from me, sorry. I'm just going to use it again because it's a good one. But I used to work with students a lot. And uh, I used to do this thing when we were talking about the principles of Scripture and why Scripture is important to apply in our daily lives. And I would bring a little goldfish in a goldfish bowl, and I'd set him down in front. And I would introduce him and say, guys, this is my friend Joey, Joey the goldfish. And Joey, I'd try to get the smallest fish bowl I could. Back in the day, you could buy, no joke, you could buy a goldfish at Walmart for 24 cents. 24 cents. So this is a big investment. Threw him in the little bowl, 24 cents. The bowl cost more than the fish. Get the smallest fish bowl I could get. And I say, man, I feel terrible for Joey. He is cramped and stuffed in this little bowl. I am going to set Joey free so that he can run around the room and do whatever he wants. He's just so confined in this little bowl. And you get the little net and you fish Joey out and you throw him on the table. And all the girls in the room are going, oh, put him back, put him back. You know, and the guys are, oh, cool, man. And... The fish is flopping around. By the way, if the fish dies, it kills your illustration. <laughs> Pun intended. But he's flopping around. And you'd say, hey, Joey, 
Come on, man. Get up. You got the whole room. Run around. What are you doing? Let's go. Come on. Let's go, Joey. Come on. Joey's just flopping around. Joey, I'm so disappointed. You fish, you throw him back in there and he swims around. I said, man, I don't understand. Joey had the opportunity to do whatever he wanted and he didn't take advantage of it. God gives us this freedom, this free will thing. And we can debate the theological implications of that some other time. But we have the opportunity to choose to accept or reject the truth of Scripture and live by it or not. And sometimes we look at it like that little fishbowl and so confining. Well, it's not. Because we were designed to live within the standards and principles of Scripture just like that fish was designed to live inside water. Setting him free and taking him out of the water doesn't help Joey. And us living our lives without any fetters, without any kind of principles or values to follow as a follower of Jesus is just like being a fish out of water. You see, that relationship of delighting in God's word is that he wants to protect us from things that are harmful in life and provide for us the things that are wonderful in life. That first word in Psalm 1, blessed or blessed, that's what he wants for us. And that's what we can delight in is this relational aspect of Scripture. Well, as we think about delighting in Scripture, not only is this relational, but it is transformational. We are in the Bible. We want to be in the Bible because it's transformational. It can change our lives, literally. This is a valued pleasure in our life. And when you look at Psalm 2, it says, whose delight is in what? The law of the Lord. That word law throws us off sometimes. What that phrase really is talking about is the precepts and principles of Scripture. The law of the Lord, its teaching, its principles, the life-changing stuff. When Jesus was praying for us, and many Bible scholars and theologians say that John chapter 17 is the actual real Lord's prayer, if you will. It's where Jesus prayed for his disciples. And by the way, he prayed for us because he prayed for those literally in his prayer who have yet to come to know him or who have yet to believe in him. He prayed for you and me that are followers of Christ. And John 17, as Jesus prayed for us, he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them. It's a word, you know, accountants and theologians love to make up words. This is an actual scriptural word, but theologians love it. Sanctify just simply means to be made holy. Really, in this context, as we think of John 17, it means to become like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is part of this process. You remember we talked about trusting the Holy Spirit as we apply the principles of Scripture? Well, this transformational thing is the truth, His Word, can change us into the image of Jesus Christ. This is the life-changing stuff. It's transformational. Why do we want to be in the Bible? So that we can become more like Jesus Christ. My good friend Joe Martin caught John and I up here. John, uh, Pastor John, I'm going to try to make sure I do that. But anyway, I've known him. I knew him as John. 
pimple-faced 15-year-old, but now he's not. His hairline's changed a little bit, but that's okay. But Joe Martin, one of the elders here at Calvary, and this morning he said, fellas, let's, let's make much of Jesus today. What do you say? I love that because that's what we're here to do. And our lives are to make much of Jesus because we want to become like him as we delight in his word, in the scripture as we are in the Bible. So as we think about delighting in scripture, this is something that we should value. It's a valued part of our life. Now, that doesn't mean that if you think about being in the Bible and you think about joining us in being in the Bible, which I'm going to talk about in just a moment, it doesn't mean that you have to read volumes and volumes of Scripture every day. It does mean, however, you got to be in it. you got to be in it in some fashion. And many of you in this room, I know you. You know the Scripture unbelievably well. And you're in the scripture and you consume scripture and you're becoming like Jesus. There's many of us in this room, many of you in this room that maybe you've never really had a regular practice of being in the Bible. But here's what I want to ask all of us to do, no matter which end of that spectrum you're on. I want you to go on the website or if you like paper, some of us like paper, on your note sheet. I want you to go on the website and click on the Be in the Bible button on the website or on our app. You can scroll and you'll find it, Be in the Bible. It'll take you to a little thing where you simply give us your name and your email. And you just simply say, hey, I want to be in the Bible in 2024. Many of you have probably already done this. On your note sheet at the bottom, you can actually tear that little thing off. And you could say, I will read and talk about your Bible plan how many times a week. And you can tear that off and you can throw it in one of the response boxes to let us know that you want to be in the Bible. Now, in case you're concerned and you're suspicious of us, we are not using this in any kind of multi-level marketing scheme, all right? We're not going to sell your data. This is just for us to know that, hey, we've got folks that are with us in being in the Bible this year. And it also allows for Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike will, every couple of weeks, send an email out to those of you. That's why we're asking for your email address. And Pastor Mike is going to give you some encouragement. He's going to give you some ideas of reading plans and things like that. But we would ask you to be in the Bible with us this year and let us know that you're going to do that. There's even a QR code right there that you can scan with your phone as you're listening to the message this morning. We want to be in the Bible because we want to delight in it. We want to experience that relational and transformational wonder that scripture can accomplish in our lives. Well, the psalmist says we need to delight in the law of the Lord. Well, he also says that we should meditate on it. Father of Jesus who are in the Bible are going to meditate on it. They're going to meditate on scripture. What does that mean? Here's what it means. It's intentional. It's intentional. This is no afterthought in our lives. This word meditate is an interesting word. Um, It occurs in the Old Testament, and it does occur a couple times in the New Testament. But here in the Old Testament, it actually has this idea of verbalized rumination. Rumination. If you grew up on a farm, you know what rumination is. Cattle and other bovine-type animals have multiple stomachs. 
cattle, cows, have five stomachs. It's kind of weird as you think about it. But when they take in, they eat that grass. You ever wonder how a cow gets so big by eating grass and grain? It's like, how does an animal get that big and taste that good? <laughs> by eating grass, man. I don't get it. Grain. Well, they ruminate. So they've got those stomachs and they chew that cud, they call it, right? And they push it down into one of those stomachs and then they bring it back up and chew a little bit more and goes back down into another stomach. And some of you are probably way more knowledgeable. This is the kind of 35,000 foot Troy version of this. But they ruminate. They take as much nutrients out of that grass or that grain or whatever they're eating and they just squeeze the life out of it. And they get as much nutrients out of that thing as they can. As we think about meditating on Scripture, we got to use our minds, okay? We use our minds. God gave us a brain and a mind, and through the Holy Spirit changing our mind and illuminating and revealing truth in Scripture to our minds, we kind of go over this over and over again. I was a kid, I, I was a part of Awana when I was a kid, and what's interesting that I remember about Awana, I remember the games. That was the only reason I, I, I liked it, was they had these cool games. But you had to pass a section, which means you had to memorize a couple verses every week and, get, and, and recite them to a leader, and they signed off on it, and then you could play games that week. So that was my motivation. All right? I wanted to play games. I wanted to beat everybody at the games. But in order to do that, I had to memorize these verses. The cool thing is, to this day, I still remember a lot of those verses. Is your mind sticky when you're young? And this is a discipline of over and over again in our minds, maybe even verbally, go off by yourself and say scripture, read it, pray it to God himself, his own words back to him. Verbalize it, ruminate on it, meditate, get it in your head. We've got Bible apps where you can listen to over 40 different versions of scripture in English on your phone. Put your earbuds in. Listen to it. It's intentional. We have to make it a part of our lives. It takes time and energy. What does he say? The psalmist says they meditate on his law day and night. One of the great tests for us about what stresses us in life and what we might be anxious about is what wakes us up at night. Wouldn't it be cool that if we woke up at night thinking about Scripture... We meditate on it. It's intentional. It's also thoughtful. Thoughtful. What does that mean? It means we, just like I said, we got to use our mind, but it becomes this front of mind thinking. We think about meditation and think about it being thoughtful. It means that when we have a decision to make in life, and by the way, we make hundreds of them every day. When we have a decision in life, whether it's small or big, the front of mind thing is, what does Scripture say? And if we don't know Scripture, and if we're not in the Bible, we're not going to know it, right? It becomes front of mind. It becomes to change how we think. We start to think biblically. Joshua 1, 8, and 9. These are very um, well-known verses where Joshua is told by God himself as he, as he talks about the book of the law, Scripture. He says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. 
once again, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We love verse 8. Be strong, be courageous. Yeah, we love that in America, right? Strong, courageous. But what comes first? Meditating on Scripture. And if we start to think biblically, we're going to start to act biblically, right? Philippians chapter 4, this is a real go-to passage for me personally. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, he's talking about don't be anxious, don't worry. Finally, brothers and sisters, in verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Where are you going to find those things? You're going to find those things in Scripture. What is right? What is excellent? What's praiseworthy? What's honorable? It's in Scripture. As much as I love YouTube, because there's everything on YouTube, if you need to know how to fix something, there's a video about it. But it is not Scripture. It doesn't even compare, man. We need to think on those things. It's thoughtful. It's in our brain. We meditate on it. It's a valuable part of our life. So as we think about Scripture and being in the Bible, we want to delight in it. We want to meditate on it. When I was a student just down the road here at Appalachian Bible College, part of my education, I got a degree in Bible and theology from Appalachian Bible College down the road, Beckley area. And uh, Appalachian Bible College, pretty straight-laced group of folks, especially when it comes to dating. And they have some standards there, and it's fine for them to have those standards about dating couples, that dating couples, there's no, you know, no public display of affection of any kind, no touching. And you had certain hours where you could date, and they had these lounges in the dorms where both girls and guys could be. And that was a place for a lot of couples to hang out. And there was one lounge in this one dorm called Des Plaines, uh, the dorm Des Plaines Hall. And there was a lounge there that had these little love seats, two people couches. And couples, mind you, you can't touch, man. They would sit on those couches as close as they could get, Right? And these couches had these high backs, and they would put their head back on that couch. And there's the girl, there's the guy, right? They'd be face to face and just, ah, you know, just stare at each other, man. I'm sure there was tons of viruses and things transferring back and forth, despite the fact they weren't touching. But they would just, and I was just got a kick out of it. I called them Klingon couples, man. They were always together, and they'd sit on those couches and just face to face. And a lot of times I'd watch, and they're not even talking, man. They're just staring at each other. And I think about that, and I go, man, you know what? May not have been totally directed in the right place, but what better illustration of delighting and meditating? Just there, present with each other. Happy as clams, just to be... It's kind of silly. We think about Scripture and us being in the Bible, delighting and meditating on it. 
to where when we talk about Scripture, and we think about Scripture, it brings that smile to our face. And it begins to change our lives and begins to transform our lives. So followers of Jesus who are consistently in the Bible are going to delight in it, they're going to meditate on it, and most importantly, they're going to flourish because of it. Flourish because of it. Look at verse 3. Talking about a person who delights and meditates in Scripture. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. They flourish because of it. They're like a tree planted by a stream. Now, this was written many, many years ago, a couple thousand years ago, Psalm 1. But it was written to an agrarian society. And they would have known exactly what this meant. We think about, oh man, that's cool. We think about it, some kind of stream and this cool tree over there. You know, like a sort of warm summer day and we're in an inner tube in that stream and we see this really neat tree. It's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a tree that has literally been planted intentionally, likely by a canal, an irrigation canal, that would have flowing water or even a stream that would have flowing water. And it was planted there by a farmer, probably a fig tree or some other type of tree that would grow in Israel. And that tree was planted there intentionally, not so the tree could be big and strong and just be a cool tree. What does it say? It yields its fruit in season. That farmer planted that tree there to bear fruit. The flourishing, when we think about being in the Bible, flourishing is in the doing. Bearing fruit. We are followers of Jesus Christ. We are not to be in the Bible to sit and soak and to gain more knowledge and to be a tree that's just this cool tree. No, we're to be a tree that is planted by God intentionally for a purpose, to bear fruit. That's what it's talking about when it says it prospers. Person prospers. It's placed there on purpose. There's flowing water. Jeremiah 17.8 is kind of an interesting, almost allegory to Psalm 1. And it's talking about the children of Israel that trust in God. And it says in verse 8, they will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. Does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. It never fails to what? Bear fruit. Sends out its roots by the stream. So you have this stream of flowing water. It's just happening. Scripture, it's just happening in our lives as we become a follower of Christ who's in the Bible. That It's just flowing by. And it's kind of interesting. The, the CSB version of the Bible says that it, it extends its roots toward the stream. So as we think about being this tree planted by streams of water and flourishing and bearing fruit, it's in the doing. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, talking about followers of Christ, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. This is an active thing. When we're in the Bible, it leads to us doing. But what does that look like? What does that look like in our lives? 
It looks like somebody whose marriage is better. Why is your marriage better if you're in the Bible? Because you're going to understand that Scripture says we prefer one another, so you're going to serve your spouse as opposed to asking your spouse to serve you. I'm still working on that one. You can ask my wife. It looks like somebody who, when stress comes in life, they deal with it differently than those in culture because we have the resource in the God of the universe active in our life and we have his truth that helps us make decisions that are good decisions in life. What else does flourishing look like? Bearing fruit, whatever they do prospers. It looks like changing diapers in early childhood. Because as we're in the Bible, we're going to understand that we need to serve the body of Christ because we're all in this thing together. We're in the Bible together. That's why we're asking you to tell us if you're in. Because this is the body of Christ of which Jesus is the head. And we're in it together and we serve together. And if that means they need diapers changed in early childhood, we should go change diapers in early childhood. If that means, and this is a tough one, you've got a volunteer, volunteer at a middle school event we should do it. Spam camp that comes up in the summer. It's like Vacation Bible School here at Bible Center. They need people to serve. That's what flourishing looks like. We don't walk in here and go to classes so that we can just learn more stuff about the Bible. We're supposed to use it. It's a get off the bench and get in the game deal. And as we delight in Scripture, and as we meditate on it, and we begin to flourish because of it, that's what it looks like. It can transform your life, and it can transform this church. That's why those habits, when you look at those habits, they're actions, right? Getting in a group, you got to make an effort to do it. Attend, you got to get up and come here. Be in the Bible, you actually have to open that thing and get in it. Invest faithfully. You actually have to give of your time, your talents, and your treasure. Talking to God, it's an active thing. Prayer's not passive, it's active. Sharing our faith, it's active. Show a picture of a tree. It's by a stream. And that stream is flowing. It's just happening in the life of that tree. That nutrient-rich soil, it's just going to sustain that tree and keep that tree going. It's going to bear fruit. Unfortunately, we look at Scripture sometimes like a spigot. Like that valve that we turn on. Man, stuff's tough in life. I better, I better get out the Bible and look at it. Blow off the dust. Open it up. Oh, you know what? Things are good in life. I don't need it right now. We treat God and his word like a spigot. When he wants it to be, hey, I put you here by this stream of water, man. Just soak it up. Flourish, delight in it, meditate on it, and flourish because of it. And it should lead to action in our lives as we serve him and serve his body and reach out to our neighbors around us that don't know him. That's what being in the Bible is about. John talked about it earlier. These guides out there for the book of Colossians, they're out here on this table. It's a great way for you to kind of start if you're thinking, man, 
I got to get back in the Bible or I got to get in the Bible. This is a great place to start right here. Grab one of these things. And next weekend, when you come here, you can even bring it with you and follow along. I want us to think about being in the Bible, double down on being in the Bible in 2024. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for these folks. Thank you for Scripture that we have that is so practical in our lives and so useful. I pray that for my own life that I would delight in Scripture in 2024, that I would meditate on Scripture in 2024, that, Lord, you would see fit to flourish my walk with you this year because of Scripture, and that I would and that we would together as Bible Center Church flourish in the doing, that we'd get off the bench and get in the game and serve you and serve each other and serve our community because the kingdom of the heaven is at hand. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Thank you for this time together in your name. Amen. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com and give us a follow on all platforms at Bible Center.